listener production. Hey, Bencion Siebert here for The Briefing. March 10th. That's the deadline Israel has given Hamas to release the remaining hostages or else Israel will launch a massive troops-on-the-ground invasion of Gaza's southernmost city of Rafah. This threat is terrifying people all over the world. But why is Rafah different? Already, Israel's assault on Gaza has killed at least 29,000 people in what it says is a manhunt to destroy the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas after it killed 1,200 Israelis and took around 240 hostages on October 7 last year. Why is this causing world leaders, including our own PM, Anthony Albanese, and US President Joe Biden, both strong supporters of Israel, to publicly urge Israel not to go down this path. When Israel launched its assault on Gaza late last year, it ordered civilians to evacuate south. Rafah is Gaza's southernmost city, right on the border with Egypt. 1.4 million people are sheltering in tents and overcrowded buildings in Rafah. Satellite images show Egypt is building up defences to prevent these people from fleeing into its territory. There is nowhere further south to go. It is the last refuge for civilians in Gaza. When I go to these shelters, uh, I feel speechless. Uh, I cannot describe how hard it is to be in a tent with children, with kids, without uh, the essentials, without uh, milk or, or even diapers for for the kids, and without even food. Uh, here we are rely we are relying on canned food. That's the voice of 26 year old Palestinian journalist and translator Asil Musa, telling us what she's doing to survive on the ground in Rafa right now. It's incredibly difficult to make contact with people in Gaza. It's an active war zone, making phone and internet connections there unreliable and unsteady. But just hours ago, we managed to get in contact with Asil, who's sheltering with the surviving members of her family in Rafa. Because of the internet connection, we couldn't record a live interview with her, but we sent a series of questions, and she sent us the voice recording that you're about to hear. We asked her what life was like in Gaza before Israel launched its offensive, how she has survived, the losses she has suffered, her hopes for the future, and her message to people like us, watching on from the outside world. Although Asil works as a journalist, we asked her to tell her own personal story in her own words. We believe it's vital to bring you stories of the real people suffering in these conflicts, and we will endeavour to bring you more personal stories like this from across the region. But for now, here is Asil. And a warning, this audio might be confronting to some listeners. Actually, my life used to be pretty calm. Um, I would wake up each morning, uh, head the gym, then head to my office, uh, where I worked as a freelance journalist and translator. Uh, I used to spend about seven hours in my office each day. And then outside of work, I loved spending time with my family and occasionally going to the beach. 
Um, actually, going to the sea was something I really enjoy. But things changed drastically um, since the beginning of Israel's genocide in the Gaza Strip. Um, now I am in the city of Rafah uh, in, in the southern part of the Gaza Strip. On 13th of October, the Israeli authorities uh, ordered the residents of the north of the Gaza Strip to, reloco- to relocate their homes and to um, go to the south of the uh, Wadi Gaza. So my family and I took the decision to go to the south. Actually, we were displaced uh, in Al-Maghazi refugee camp for about 80 days. Uh, When we uh, relocated our homes, we didn't take anything with us but our IDs and passports. And actually, the displacement circumstances in Al-Maghazi were really dire. Uh, We were suffering in uh, getting food, uh, water, and even medicines. Um, And even the Israeli occupation claimed the area of Al-Maghazi refugee camp in the middle of the Gaza Strip as a safe area, but it wasn't at all. At Al-Maghazi refugee camp, um, the Israeli bombardment and the Israeli shelling Uh, I was hearing the sounds of the Israeli bombardment every day and even uh, every hour. And in Al-Maghazi, which which was claimed as a safe area, Israel uh, bombed the house of my cousins and killed nine people of my relatives. Uh, The majority of them were children and women. Uh, And also in Al-Maghazi, Israel uh, targeted the only bakery there. The uh, Israeli occupation also uh, bombed uh, the Anarwa schools, uh, which were like uh, shelters for the displaced people from the north of the Gaza Strip. And after enduring almost 80 days of displacement in Al-Maghazi, my family and I were forced to relocate once again, uh, and this time to the city of Rafah. This move was prompted by the escalation of Israeli airstrikes in the central region of the Gaza Strip. And actually, the situation in the city of Rafah is catastrophic, as over 1.3 million Palestinians uh, are now displaced in Rafah. And we all face severe shortages of food, running water, and uh, potable water. Additionally, Israel cut off electricity, communication lines, uh, and internet access. Actually, being isolated from the whole world uh, makes us feel that we will be killed uh, without uh, the whole world uh, know about us. Um, uh, So we struggle in in, in getting food or or water um, as uh, there are uh, limited quantities of uh, such such essentials. Um, and for myself, I am uh, displaced in a refuge house uh, with uh, about 50 people uh, in the same house, while thousands of people are now in tents, in the streets, and in honor with schools. Uh, and as a, as a journalist, I visited these shelters, uh, which are not safe at all. Uh, when I go to these shelters, uh, I feel speechless. 
Uh, I cannot describe uh, how hard it is to be in a tent with children, with kids, without uh, the essentials, without uh, milk or, or even diapers for, for the kids, and without even food. Uh, here, we are, rely, we are relying on canned food, uh, and actually we eat just to survive and to stay alive, as there, there are no enough food. Uh, and actually, the situation is getting harder after Israel uh, threats of um, the ground invasion in Rafah. Uh, I cannot fathom how the people uh, will deal with it or uh, where will they go as there are no safe places in Gaza. Uh, so the 1.3 million Palestinians displaced in Rafah uh, ha- have no any other destination. For example, me and my family were displaced twice uh, since the beginning of this genocide. Uh, And other people were displaced for four times or even five times. Uh, They they are not warning people that that they will kill them or they will will bomb their homes or buildings. Uh, And absolutely, I don't think of leaving Palestine uh, forever, but I think of Uh, evacuating the Gaza Strip as soon as possible uh, as I cannot um, endure the hardship if I lost anyone of my family. Um, Actually, the the word uh, listened to our suffering and the people witnessed the um, Israeli aggression uh, on the Gaza Strip through social media, through um, the media outlets through the um, uh, posts and tweets and videos that journalists are publishing every day. Uh, but we we don't feel that the word uh, know anything about, about what we live. Uh, the word is silent. Uh, the international community and the international law are biased with Israel. Um, Uh, What's happening in the Gaza Strip is nothing shorter than uh, genocide. But if a ground invasion just happened in Rafah, it will be a catastrophe. With more than 1.3 million Palestinians displaced in Rafah, the city now is crowded with people, with uh, with children, with women, with civilians. Um, So if... If Israel invaded the city of, of Rafah, the whole world will witness uh, so many massacres. Uh, people in Rafah don't know where to go, where to evacuate, where to be displaced again. Um, and I hope that the Israeli genocide uh, will stop immediately uh, and that Palestine will be liberated from the Israeli occupation forever. And the people of Palestine live a life full of peace and love. Uh, The Palestinian people deserve a shining future. Uh, They deserve uh, a calm life. Um, People here are innocent. Uh, They are under occupation since um, 1948. Uh, We in Gaza are under Israeli blockade uh, since 2006. The Palestinians in the West Bank uh, are witnessing 
different kinds of Israeli violations every day and every moment. Um, I, I just hope uh, free Palestine. Asil Musa there, joining us from Rafa a few hours ago. We're working to bring you more of these personal stories from people suffering conflict in the Palestinian territories, in Israel and across the region. If you know anyone willing to share their personal story, please get in touch. The best way to reach us is on Instagram. You can find us at The Briefing Podcast and send us a DM. That's all for today's afternoon episode of The Briefing. We'll be back in your feed from 6am tomorrow. I'm Ben Sion Siebert. Thanks for listening. Listening.